Why is God so angry? Isn't the Bible full of contradictions? How could God allow so Isn't much science to disprove the Bible? Good. How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? In our modern cultural context, I know you know this, but idols take center stage in the lives of people. And I just don't mean in North America, but across the globe in general. You would agree as well that as the modern North American, myself and yourself included, we're either addicts to work or no work at all. Some of us need to go to work. We plan our lives around sports or long weekends, cultural trends, which are all good things. But I think Timothy Keller, a modern theologian, said it best when he said, we make idols out of good things when we make them ultimate things. Friends, if our lives are mastered, if our day-to-day -day is steered around by anything that is good, but not of God or not from God, then we have carved out idols for ourselves. An almost perfect example of this is found in Kings, the Old Testament book that perhaps paints the perfect picture of God's uh, analogy of our hearts as people through the eyes of Israel. Um, there in that book, uh, we see Israel rebelling from God in different many ways, but one of them, of course, being their desire to want a king, even though they had identified Yahweh, the one true God, as their God. They wanted to emulate the cultural moment they found themselves and lived in, and several kings later, the narrative that we find in Kings reads as this, and I quote, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. End quote. That's First Kings 11, 1 to 3, which is where we'll sit today. The irony from the text here, as we find it, is that Solomon was the wisest king in Israel. And wait for it, what happened? How did the wisest king in Israel fall prey to such an incongruent lifestyle? I mean, this is a person that God had revealed himself to and giving him wisdom. Solomon asked for wisdom and he was given wisdom, but he missed the commandment that he should not, that the children of Israel should not enter into marriage with all these other tribes. What's even more surprising, as I was reading uh, the text this week, is the failure for Solomon to see and to remember his father's mistake. As you know, David fell into um, 
kind of like a marital collapse where he uh, basically cheated on his wife in a modern sense and that tore his family apart. And even though Solomon then was the wisest king, somehow he forgot that. Solomon made decisions that turned away his heart from God. And that was it for the reign of Israel as a nation at that time. The kingdom fell. That was what caused the downfall of a successful reign under King Solomon. One commentator says, quote, This is a sad story, and I agree, and very surprising, of Solomon's apostasy and corruption. Now, when we think of decisions or our life rhythms that direct our hearts a particular way, because I think it's the rhythms of our lives that direct us and our hearts a particular way, when we think about those, I don't think we think automatically, oh, I want to live a hard life. I have idols. That's pretty cool. We don't think like that. We don't reason like that. Thoughts like, let's live our lives in such a way that the result is chaos, emotional instability, spiritual decay, animosity, and so on. Those are not the thoughts that come to our minds when we think about life, our journey in faith, and our spirituality, and our life together. No, we all desire a congruent life. In a sense, we all desire life that what we know is true in our lives and we live by it. We will all want life and not just basic day-to-day -day life. We all desire to respond to the invitations of Jesus. Either be it, follow me. The invitation from Jesus, come to me. Life in full joy and suffering. I will give you rest. We all want to respond and live into these invitations. But the loves of our hearts are sometimes like Solomon's, directed to what we've carved out as gods in our lives. Solomon, as we know, marries to himself women, many women, and that becomes the rich soil for idolatry to take room in his life. And please don't hear me say, or please don't hear the text say that women are evil. No, women are God's image bearers, created for his glory. The point is that Solomon focused his life around rhythms and systems that disturbed his life patterns away from God, the one true God, to other idols. Let me read again from the text, verse 4. For when Solomon was old, his wives turn, turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Melchum, the abomination of the Amorites, verse 6. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemos, the abomination of the Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites. 
and on the mountain east of Jerusalem. Verse 8, And so he did for all his foreign wives, who made offerings and sacrificed to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart turned from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. So is there a practice? Is there a rhythm? Is there anything in the way of following Jesus for us to counter and to keep us from falling? Like Solomon to the worship of idols. Yes, there is a solution. Praise God that there is. And I want to suggest a really simple place to start. Because as we think of idols, we don't go, man, I have an idol. It's, it's, it's the one thing that we don't even know that we're addicted to. But slowly and slowly, it's become how our lives are shaped and formed. And the reason why we pursue the morning and go to bed at night thinking about it could be work. It could be a lack of work, let's be honest. It could be your phone if you're a young person or an even older person. It could be family. And again, let's remember that all these things are good things, but when they become ultimate things, then they become idols in our lives. So I want to suggest a good place to start for us to even think about and, uh, or bring ourselves to whether or not we have idols in our lives. And remember, I'm not wearing a legalistic lens with this simple practice um, from the practices of Jesus, but simply reminding us of rhythm or practices that lead to transformation, the door to which we enter in. And when we sit into that practice or rhythm or kind of like way of life, then we counter the temptation to have idols or have good things become ultimate things. So carve out in your day some time, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is, and take inventory of your life patterns. I know that sounds crazy. For some of us, it's impossible because we're just too busy and hurried. And for some of us, you may listen to this and go, that's child's play. But I assure you, the invitations of Jesus only bear fruit in our lives. So take inventory of your day or week or month and, and, and critically look at where you may have allowed something good to be ultimate. And with that, allow the Spirit of God to invite you either into His conviction or His peace or His joy and even an awareness for that matter. And from there, start to dethrone maybe some idols that we've placed, that you've placed in your life or in your lifestyle. Friends, idols take part in our lives in a very simple way. They creep in as maybe a desire. As we see Solomon, he was wise, but he forgot the commandment of the Lord. And that could be, that could be me, that could be you. And so cover time in your life for some examination. Cover time in your day-to-day to invite the Holy Spirit into your rhythms. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit,
we invite you into our lives. We don't want to be in charge. We want you to be in charge. And so help us to respond to the invitations of Jesus, whether it be by following, letting go. And for the many times, God, we've made good things, ultimate things, forgive us. But sometimes we just get stuck in the goodness of these things. And even though you have given us everything for life and that life is good to us, God, we pray that you help us not to allow these good things to become ultimate in our lives, therefore transforming and forming our lives around them, within them, and therefore dethroning you as God in our lives and placing them. Jesus, I pray today that, uh, that as a church, that you remind us that we are to emulate you. And so we want to follow you. We want to sit in your rest. And so be with us. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.